I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We are going back to the hive for season five of The, the Connor, Connor and Smith Show. How are you doing? Great. Oh my gosh, we just had the Blues Fest yesterday. It was so much fun. Biggest crowd ever. Beautiful weather, except it was really, really windy. It was very windy. Cops estimated the crowds at well over 10,000 people. Yep. Um, we had Shamika Copeland, the Blues Entertainer of the Year 2021, as our headliner. And she, not only she, everyone put on such a great show. It was such a great time. Uh, I had the privilege this morning of going to... We have a like basically a three-day weekend of blues events. I went to Cafe Cezanne this morning for a blues brunch um, featuring Chris Urquiaga. It was amazing. The food was great. It was The music was great. It was so fantastic. But this kind of wraps the blues festival and so proud of our entire team. But this is all beside the point of season five. Today, our guest is Joey Santangelo. Um, we had never met him. Uh, Edry Means, who is coming up as a guest, recommended him. Recommended him <clears throat> and said he built the costumes, some of the costumes for Bridgerton. And so he started as a vocal performance major and ended up in London doing Bridgerton. So. The story is really interesting. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Hello, hello. Hey, Joey, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, thank you for your patience here. I'm just making my way downstairs i'm sitting here with my husband and co-host matt connor hey 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 <laughs> beautiful i love it um where are we talking to you from today joey so uh usually i'm based in london but actually this weekend i'm visiting my uh boyfriend because he's working on a show show in a town called chichester which is about two hours south of london um because he's in stage management so you're in chichester yeah Okay. Um, what? Wait, we're in the UK right now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I've got a few things I want you to pick up for me. Okay, great. I'll start um, the list. You know, Stephen's uh, family, our mother is from Liverpool, so um, she would probably like some tea. <laughs> is, is she? Do you know if she's PG Tips or if she's um, Yorkshire? Oh my gosh, I have no idea. Those are the two biggies. And then there's Tetley tea, but nobody drinks that unless you're Phil. So. Yeah, I think she, I think she probably drinks something very American at this point. Um, <laughs> so, so this is this is a new thing for us. This is almost like a little blind dating SU edition. We uh, got a recommendation that we should talk to you from Edry Means Weekly. Really? Yes. Oh, Edry, she's so sweet. Yes, um, she she uh, basically said you have to talk to him and told us a little bit about yourself, but we. Sight and scene have never spoken to you before right now. This, no, this never. whole season five uh, is, is a gear towards uh, SU alum. Um, of course, I met my husband at SU. We uh, live in the DC area. And what, um, going back to your like youth childhood, where did you grow up? Oh God. Uh, so I'm from a town called Waltham, which is in Massachusetts. It's a suburb of Boston. So kind of Massachusetts, Boston is where I'm from. And, and while you were growing up there, like what was the uh, moment where you kind of thought you wanted to pursue the arts? Was that a, always a thing or? So it's, like it's a... uh, God, it was a long journey. Lots of twists and turns as they always are. Um, so I did like singing as a kid with like some little town. Uh, it was called the, oh, I don't remember, Belmont. It was Belmont Youth Opera Company or something like that. Um, and so I did that as a kid and then that kind of got me interested in music. So then I started doing, like I was in choir um, as well for, because um, I was in church a lot. So I went to uh, Our Ladies, which is the, the Catholic school. And so I was in the choir, obligatory, but I enjoyed it. And then uh, middle school came around and I started playing the clarinet. And so that was kind of my first 
deep foray into the arts. So I played clarinet for years. I did all through uh, elementary school, middle school, and high school. So that's kind of where I got the idea to do music, but it never kind of was on my radar as a career ever. So even in high school, all four years, I had started doing more and more art. So I did the show choir, which I loved. Um, and I was doing like extracurricular music stuff and like the marching band. And I was still pursuing biology as a degree. Um, I was always going to go into biology and be a doctor and yada, yada, yada. And then senior year had a, a mini a mini breakdown and said, I don't want to do uh, that for the money. Let me pursue something that makes me happy. And so that's kind of when I decided to pursue music and kind of the arts as a general which is how i kind of found my way to su gotcha and and I, that was going to be my next question uh like what what was uh was was there somebody you knew who went there did you how did you find su yeah absolutely so so like i said senior year i was i had gotten accepted to gettysburg college for their pre-med program and then i had done the musical that that year and it was the first time i'd ever done a musical um i'd always done choir and show choir so i was really like i was comfortable singing and stuff and so uh the musical was the spring musical and by that time kind of all your applications are out and acceptance letters acceptance letters are sent so I approached my choir teacher um Christopher Landis who's an alum of Shenandoah and he said well hey I went to this school let me give them a call and see what their applications are and if they'll take any late applications um so he called uh the applications department and Oh my God, her name is escaping me. The most lovely woman in the entire world. Uh, Sue Robinson? No, no. She was in the conservatory applications. Oh, what? Liz Albert? No. Oh, what is her name? She's not there anymore. It'll come to me in like a few minutes, I promise. No problem. But we, uh, so we called her and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the music theater department, um, they have closed. They've already accepted their students for the year, but the, vo the voice performance department is still... Um, accepting video applications so he said hey do you want to change change your views and apply to no he didn't even say that he said let's just send in a video and see what happens so i sent in my audition video um and they came back and said yeah you've got a space if you want it which was kind of a huge then decision for me to make to go to my family and be like hey i don't want to be a doctor i want to <laughs> go into singing and so that was very hard news to deliver but i said wow. you know what i need to i need to pursue what brings me joy and so that's kind of I got I, I took my acceptance and then I, I think I, it was in July I, I got accepted and starting school in in August so it was it was very very late and very fast. mom dad I need a pair of Capizio jazz pants yeah exactly and ballet shoes and tap shoes <clears throat> what year was that that you started SU so I started SU in 2010 so 2010 okay oh my god that was so long ago now I know, but it, you know what's so weird is every time I hear a 2010 or a 2015, it still kind of feels like science fiction. <laughs> it's like the future, but in the past, because the numbers still in my mind are like, oh my God, when I was growing up, that looked like the dinosaurs were going to be coming back or something. I don't know. <laughs> do they come back? I, they do. They're in the movies right in, now. Oh, in the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so 2010, you landed SU. and. Yeah. What are like some of the big highlight moments for you as far as performance that you got to kind of be a part of? Oh God. <laughs> was there still a show choir at SU? So I didn't do show choir at SU. I did that in high school. But so when I got to SU, I, so I was a voice performance major. So I wasn't doing any of the music theater productions, but I was doing a couple of the classes cause I had some free credits. So I was taking a couple extra dance classes and I was in the choral ensembles. And then I think my first year I got into the opera, which was exciting. Um, I remember playing a doctor. It was Jonas Geeky and I, the doctor's a character actor. So it was kind of a, uh, can, I, can I swear? Can I say piss take? Is that allowed? Oh yeah, we can cuss. <laughs> All right, so it's kind of a piss take because it was like a character actor. So it was like, that's not really vocally difficult. It's just have fun on stage. So that was my first kind of performance. And that was kind of a big one. And you played a doctor. And I played a doctor. Oh my god, I didn't even realize that. So it's full, so it's, it's full circle. This is the, this was meant to be. Oh my god, it was. That was freshman year, full circle. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, with, with your choirs, was that with like Doctor Laster, Doctor Schaefer, Karen Keating? Yeah. So so freshman year, I was in um, uh, was it chamber chorus? 
what the one that uh, was uh, Dr. Keating's uh, Karen Keating's choir the first year, and yeah. we did uh, <laughs> yeah, my, I think the first semester we did like a Broadway rock style concert, and that was really really fun. We did that in in somewhere near DC, we took it somewhere with some Finn symphony, so that was fun. So, yeah, freshman year I was with Karen Keating, and then sophomore year I got into the uh, Robert Schaefer's choir, and so I was in that for a year, and then I the year after that, I got into the chamber choir, which is also directed by uh, Mr. Schaefer. And then that, so my junior year, I also got into Shenandoah Singers, which is the um, acapella choir. It was the Schaefer choir still touring Europe? So my freshman year, when I wasn't in it, they went to France. And then senior year, we were supposed to go to England, but that kind of fell through. It, the cost just spiraled out and it was going to be too much for the students so i i unfortunately didn't get to tour with them but they do yeah i think they still do or at least they did uh go on tours but now you're in england and so now once again you've gone full circle and you can send them all pictures back and say hey the tour is going it. great well it's funny because my we sang this one of the songs we were preparing for that english tour was the chichester psalms and i was just talking to david my partner um a couple days ago and he's like, yeah, that's so full circle because if, I mean, if I look out my window right now, I can see Chichester Cathedral, which is where they were written for, which I thought was kind of funny. So this music was written for the cathedral that's across the street. Yeah, so it was a piece. I'm, I'm, I mean, I might be misquoting uh, horribly, but uh, Leonard Bernstein wrote a piece called the Chichester Psalms, and it was either inspired by a cathedral or written for the cathedral. And so it was just he was just like, oh, how cool is that? You went to music school and you're you're you performed the piece that was written at this or written for this cathedral. I was like, oh, yeah, it's true. That's kind of a full circle moment, isn't it? That's totally cool. I'm trying to figure this out in my head. What part? Um, no, this. So you were at SU from 2010 to 2014, right? Correct. Yep. Matt, when did we bring our um, well, you brought crossing to the school and then we brought the legend of sleepy hollow what years did we do those uh i, I remember like maybe 2013 12. 12 yeah i think we might have brought two of our shows to su while you were there um matt had a show called crossing that uh happened in the the studio theater so was it in the black box yeah yeah nadia Harika? Yeah, Nadia Harika. Why do I know that name? Nadia Harika was in it, and uh, Tam... Yes. Uh, Rodriguez, what is his name? J Jamie. Jane, James, James Rodriguez. Yeah, you're unlocking, like, sense memories. God, that, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, I remember Crossing. And I do, I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't get to see it, but I remember that coming. Oh, my God, this is I think it was crazy. all done. I mean, clearly, it wasn't, like, in the season. It was sort of like a... No, it was, like, an extra thing. Yeah, like a special event. Like yeah, you yeah, about yeah, it yeah. You could not. Yeah, and I think I think it was 2013 or 2014 when we brought our Legend of Sleepy Hollow there, because that anyway, it's just a small like tidbit of like, oh wow, you were there in the teens, so maybe yeah, I do. Were... I didn't. I didn't see them, but I do absolutely remember them now that you bring it up. It's it's a yeah. small world after all. It so... really is. So you're drawing a parallel that we were kind of across the street peering into the cathedral. But it was well, actually, it, uh, yeah, I guess I guess what's funny is, yeah, we were all there at the same time, didn't know it. Anyway, it's just uh, one of those one of those things that Alanis Morissette talks about. <laughs> um, so you graduated from Shenandoah and you realized that you wanted to be on Broadway and you moved to New York, question mark. Uh, no. <laughs> No. So I got about three quarters of the way through my degree, or I was, I was actually halfway through senior year. And um, I got some kind of not bad medical news, but some scary medical news. Long story short, it ended up being fine, but it kind of disrupted my senior year a tiny bit. So uh, as a voice performance major, you do a senior recital, which is like an hour long uh, performance of just you singing stuff. And so mine got delayed till July because of a couple of complications. And uh, so because of that, my, how do I say this? Uh, my results from that, from that recital weren't what as high as I would have liked them to have been because it is graded. 
So I, I looked at the results and I was like, you know what? I don't know if the grind is worth the reward mm. as, a, as a performer. Mm-hmm. I was like, I enjoy doing this, but from a realistic point of view, I understand the amount of work and dedication and time and rejection that it takes to, to keep auditioning, to keep honing the craft. And as a, as a opera singer, as, as a performer, it, it's your voice just takes so much longer to mature. And so it just takes years of kind of a slog. And I, I took a step back and I was like, you know, I love singing and I enjoy it, but I don't think it's a career. It's my career. It is a career. It's just not my career. It's, it's not where I see myself going. So it was kind of a realization I had after my, my uh, graduation. And I was like, all right, so I've got this degree, but it's not really what I want to pursue. And I had a friend who, and also another SU alumni, um, who had moved to Florida to work at Disney. And I was like, you know what? Let me just, I can't move home because that's, I just can't do that mentally. So let me just go down there, get a job performing somewhere fun. Just it's, it's still performing. So it's sort of still in the wheelhouse and we'll just go from there. We'll figure something out. And so I moved down to Florida and I loved it. It was a bunch of people my age, a bunch of people just having fun, working at Disney World. It was it, like I was performing still, doing fun shows, like I said, meeting fun people. And it was great. But I, again, I knew it wasn't a forever. It was, I, I talk about it as if it's like a gap year. Like you take a gap year to figure your shit out. And so that was like me, me going down there to be a, a fun theme park performer was like a time just to like sort things out and kind of work through what I really, really want to pursue. Cause I knew I wanted to be in the arts. Like I knew that's where, where the, like my family was, that's where the acceptance is. That's where it, the warmth is. It's all, it's in that world. I just need to figure out where my place was. Um, and because you're a theme park performer, you don't make a ton of cash. I'm sure you're not surprised by that. Um, so as this, a little side hustle, I started making little princess dresses for, uh, people going to the park so like uh, moms like rich white moms that pull up in their escalades with white wine uh, like to dress their daughters up in cute little outfits to go to the theme parks so I, I started a side hustle making these little kids clothes and it, I was getting more and more business sewing these little princess dresses and hey, Joey got, yes how if I was a rich mom with Chardonnay yep <laughs> which you maybe are which I maybe am yeah um, how how did they find you so there's this whole like underground network of facebook groups ah. and they all operate like auctions so you'd literally list your piece and like all right on thursday at five the auction starts oh, so god. that in the comment section people then start bidding on what you've listed oh god it's and there's like multiple of these groups and and there's like a few heavy hitters so there's like big names of the bidders and so people want like if there's a new movie, like the moms want to be the, their daughter to be the first one in the dress from the, like if Encanto came out, they'd want the first dress of the Encanto main character. Dress. Yeah, exactly. So if you oh can get God. one, it's crazy. Like I'm yeah. wasting my time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's a thing. It's definitely a thing. And and yeah, it's just because you can buy a dress at the at, at the park, but it's that cheap polyester stuff that is like there's no imagination in it. Whereas like these people, this underground, like I said, these these cottage employees are just making these princess dresses for these this small community. It's it was it was crazy. Um so but I got into that because my boyfriend at the time, one of his family friends was one of these moms and she dressed her daughters up. And so she said, Oh, could you uh because I, I can I took a couple of co- I mean, this is kind of backtracking a bit. At SU when I had free courses, I took costuming because I was just interested in it because it's uh just something I, I took a liking to but so yeah she's like oh you can sew try making a dress for my daughter and so I made one and then she's like oh you need to be part of this group and so that's how I got into it so it got to the point so I was making these princess dresses and it was I, I remember being in my room one night and it was like eleven thirty at night and I was like you know what I would rather be in here sewing these dresses than at my job performing so if I'd rather spend eight hours a day changed to my sewing machine, then I should make this my career. And, and also this is the opening of the film about your life. Right now, <laughs> you sewing these dresses at midnight. And yeah. loving it and loving it. Yeah, I love it. Like mile, you can't imagine the miles of ruffles I was sewing. It was crazy. 
miles and miles and miles. If I have to sew on one more tassel. <laughs> Essentially. I'll be overjoyed. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, you know what? Eight hours a day at the machine or eight hours a day at work. I want to be at my machine. But I realized I was like, okay, I've got one. I've like costume 101 and costume 102 under my belt. But I'm still an amateur and I need to uh, get some formal training if I want to pursue this. So what was the next steps for you? So I, I well, funnily enough, the, the Christopher Landis, the, my kind of mentor slash friend who recommended Shenandoah, I talked to him and in that interim, he had started dating someone who was into costuming. I think he worked for Talbots or something. So he was in the, in the realm of, he had gone to school for it. And so he kind of knew, no, actually he worked at my, uh, a regional theater in new England that I knew. So that's how they met. And so he's like, oh, well, you should look at schools um, in the UK. And I was like, really? And so I started looking around at schools. And so in, this, in America, I had a hard time finding costuming courses that were costume construction, because that's what I wanted to study. I wanted to study how to make them, how to take a design and make that design into a costume, because I didn't want to be a designer. I still don't want to be a designer. I'm not really good at it. I want to be the person that receives the drawing, receives the, the design, and then constructs the garment. And so that's kind of a specific thing. Like there's a lot of courses in the States that are like, like I said, costume design, there's costume like making slash technical theater. And there's, a, there's some undergraduate degrees as well, but I was like, I can't go back to school for an undergrad. I, I, I just like, there was a mental block there. I was like, I can't go back to school for another four years to a liberal arts college to do my gen eds again. I've done that already. I need to move forward somehow. And so I was looking at graduate programs. And so there's like, yeah, there's fashion, there's like fashion textiles, there's textile design, there's merchandising. So there's all those courses, but there was no costume construction, which is what I really wanted to do. So after this advice to start looking overseas, I looked at a couple of schools in England. Um, there's a couple of really good ones in Bristol and a, a few in London. And so um, the UK system uses something called the UCAS, which is kind of like our version of the SAT. So it's like a standardized score that you get from doing your schoolwork uh, and like A levels. So do you know, if you, have you read Harry Potter? No. no. Oh, never mind then. That's fine. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So they've got A levels, but so this there was one school I found that didn't didn't take any of these standardized grades. So it was kind of like just apply, show us what you can do. And then we'll either say yes or no. I was like, great, that's great. I don't have to like convert my SATs into this new format and yada, yada, yada. So I, uh, sent, I put together a little portfolio of all the stuff I'd made myself, like in my bedroom and, and just like costumes for like Halloween parties and cosplays. And I just kind of got the best of the best and got them photographed and put together my little portfolio and submitted it. And I got an email being like, all right, you've been accepted for an interview. Let us know when you'd like to Skype in. And I was like, well, why don't I just fly over there and interview in person? Because I, yeah. I had some vacation time saved up. I was like, look, I'll just, I've always wanted to go to London. Let me just fly out there for a vacation. And then one of the days of the vacation, I'll just happen to do my interview. Um, and they're like, oh, fantastic. Yeah, you're booked in for this date. So I did that. And so I flew out there, had a great week in London, my first time, did all the sites. And then uh, the last day I did my, my interview. And it was for RADA, which is the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. And I had pretty low hopes because they only accept four students a year. Um, and it's, it's a pretty, not, I mean, not to toot my own horn. It's a pretty prestigious school. So there's a lot of like Tom Hiddleston has gone there. Like there's every, a lot of big names have gone there. Um, and so like, you know what, let's just go for fun. And I was, I remember sitting before my interview in this room and there was like this woman from Italy who had done like um, textile design and she had done dyeing. And there was another girl from Wales who had done, um, like two costuming courses before. And this is a, this course I'm applying for is at the graduate level. So I'm applying essentially for a graduate degree in a field where I have no prior experience except personal. And so I, I go to the interview and I have my interview and I feel really good about it. And I was like, you know what? Even if I don't get it, I spent a week in London and I had a good time. And I, and I tried. I, I, I said, if I don't get this, then we'll look at something else. And so I fly back home and then two weeks later, I get a call from the director of the program being like, yeah, you have a spot if you want it. It starts in, classes start in September. And so I got in, which was amazing. Wow. God, it was incredible. So 
you're like one of four people to have been picked that year. Yeah. Um, after not having gone to school. Exactly. For costuming. <laughs> Pretty so, much. So you're you're going to Rada. Yep. And is Rada like downtown Manhattan type of college or Pretty much. Like yeah. No, it's country no, it's bang center of the city. Okay. So quite the different experience than the the duck pond at SU. The duck pond has now been replaced by the Thames. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) And the carnival at Apple Blossom time is now replaced by that huge... The Jubilee celebration. Yeah. yeah. The Jubilee. Oh my gosh, did you you see the Jubilee? Yeah, so we did some... We we went to a street party and then we uh, watched some of the parade as well, which was great. You know, I mean, okay. I, I watched The Crown. Okay. <laughs> okay, that means nothing. How, however, I really don't know much about anything because I, as you know, as an American, we think that a building here that's 200 years old is old. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not till you go to Europe that you go, oh, people don't really care about America. Yeah, I'm, I mean, like I said, the pub at the end of this road has a big sign, like, built in 1873. And now I'm like, oh, that's pretty new. Like, right. Like, my shift has totally changed because, if again, if you look down the road, the other rec- direction of the cathedral, that was built like, I don't know, 800 years ago. Right. In the medieval times. Exactly. Um, but when I watched The Crown, I got, of course, a little bit obsessed just with everybody. Yeah, you can't not. And it's kind of really powerful uh, to just imagine that this, you know, this his- historical moment about the queen and her reign uh, for so long. Is she the longest reigning queen? In English history, yes. And, she, so, and she's also the third. I, I like the royals. So I, I, some people don't. They, don't. they don't like the idea of it. But I do. So, yeah, she's the third longest reigning monarch in history. Wow. So, yeah. The, I think the second is a king of Thailand. And the first was King Louis the. 14th if i'm not mistaken but yeah so yeah 70 years on the throne so going back to you uh you're so you're at rada that, yep. that was that a two-year program yeah so since it was at the graduate level it was two years so what what happens next for you so this is around what 2017 18 uh yeah so i got in it yeah exactly 2017 that was my first year and what like i said i got to the school and i was like oh this was the right choice because there was zero book work it was all practical it was a lot i i I kind of compare it to like going to a trade school like learning how to fix cars or learning how to be a plumber like it's all hands-on all the time because it's all tactile exactly there's no exams there's no studying there's no book work it's come in learn how to do this thing and we will grade you on whether or not you can now do that thing. That's that's kind of amazing. Um, I guess the the minutes fly, you know, the hours fly. Oh my god! Like like none other. It was the quickest. It was so fast, so yeah. fast. And um, you're also doing something that you feel for the first time, clicking on all cylinders. Oh yeah, I would happily be at school, like nine a.m. when the doors open till they kick me out at eleven p.m. Like happy to have my head down just doing the work. Wow. I, lo- I loved it. I drank it all up, every minute of it. I love that. I always um, working in the theater uh, at places like Arena Stage in DC that have huge uh, costume workrooms. I would always be just obsessed with all the the builders and and um, drapers. Yes, who were just always head down to the machine, just working, creating. And and they were there the longest, longer than anybody else. <laughs> maybe maybe except the set crew, but um, yeah, it was. It's it's. There's something intoxicating about a workroom like that where things are being created. But it was also, I think, the biggest thing is that I I knew almost within like the first two weeks, I was like, oh, this is different. Like this is what it feels like to be doing what you want to do. Right. Like, whereas doing singing at Shenandoah I was like, this is fun when I was at Rada doing costuming work, I was like, oh, this is what it's like to have to, like, this is what the other students were feeling. This is the passion. Like, this is where you don't care about doing the grind. Like, I get it. I, I just, like I said, I was close to where I was supposed to be, but I wasn't there. I was at Shenandoah, I wasn't there. And I remember even at Shenandoah, Cheryl Yancey, who's still teaching there, Cheryl and Jen, I think, are still the costume professors. They 
I took a couple of classes with them and I was like, I enjoy this. But then I was, so that's kind of, they planted the seed. And then, yeah, like I said, when I got to Rod, I was like, this was absolutely where I was supposed to be. This is where I was supposed to be. I mean, just like music, there's a composition. There's a composition to the window of uh, period, the window of color, the window of fabric, the w window of everything, whether it's evening, daytime, uh, whatever of uh, whatever you're working on there's there's uh, so much backstory to whatever you're creating yeah so there's a story and then there's there's kind of what i zero in on or what i what i get the most joy from is the creating aspect the being able to look at a piece of flat fabric and then at the end being like oh now this is a fully formed thing yeah i just love it i just love the 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 construction it's really it really is the construction of it right and it's the kind of thing where it's not right or wrong like you can sew a seam but you can always do better and because i'm a very competitive person i'm always like oh that's good but oh if i had done this it would have been better it's not like oh you've done it and it's good there's always room for improvement and so i like that there's always room for improvement as well so what happens, Joey, uh, post RADA? Like you're you're done. You've got your degree from RADA. Yeah. What what is Joey waiting do? waiting for the queen to call? Pretty much no. <laughs> so yeah, so so part of the training at RADA, they bring so the the two professors there are very knowledgeable, but they also are really good about bringing in adjunct professors who are working in the industry. So as a slash, this is how it's happening now. Slash, these are some contacts that are good for you to know, and you also have to go on placement at different theaters at like my placement was at an opera company for two weeks, just doing working for an opera company. And so one of the, the, the woman who came in to teach the tailoring, we had a tailoring unit on how to do men's tailoring. And so the woman that came in to teach that uh, we got chatting and we, we got along pretty well. And so second year when she came in, she's like, Oh, so what do you, what are your plans for after graduation? And I was like, no, I've, I've got like one or two things, like really quick jobs lined up. I think I was doing a wedding dress alteration and something else that was really small. And she's like, oh, okay, okay, good, good. And so th a few months go by, um, I graduate. Uh, I work my one day on this wedding dress. And then she gives me a call being like, hey, um, so do you wanna, uh, would you like a job? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. She's like, I really like your quality of work. And I know you like doing women's wear. Um, do you want to come work with me on my new job? And I was like, sure, sounds great. And I was like, what's the job? Um, and this is back in 2019. She's like, oh, it's this new show for Netflix. Like um, it's women's wear and she was a men's tailor. So she's like, it's kind of new for me, but we'll, but I, I'm putting a team together and I want you on my team. And I was like, great. So I show up to work the first day and we just kind of start doing this new job and um, we're working and, uh, we're making these Regency dresses. And I was like, well, so what's the name of the show again? Like, I keep forgetting the name. Cause when things are in production, they're under a production name, which is like a, a fake, not a fake name, but it's like a code name almost. And right. so the, so the, the name that everyone was saying, like I was hired by the company, it's called Sunken Garden. And I was like, all right, so what, like, okay. So what, what show is this? Like, I know Sunken Garden is the name of the show. And like, oh, it's this new series called Bridgerton. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. And so, <laughs> So, I mean, in hindsight, I was, it was a huge project. And so I was, I'm incredibly lucky to have stepped out of graduation and literally next day step into the biggest show on Netflix of all time. Wow. Um, so it was, it was I, and I understand how incredibly lucky I am because even in the costuming world, it's really tough to kind of break into the film and TV industry. You kind of really have to know someone, which I, fortunately I did. Um, and she, oh God, she's the best boss in the world. But yeah, she saw the quality of work and she saw the drive and the and the passion for it. Um, and so she took me on her team and we just did Bridgerton season one together. And it was my first gig out of out of school and it blew up. So, so was the entire uh, creation of Bridger Bridgerton done in the UK? Um, it's produced by Shonda Rhimes and Shonda Land is a production company. So it's an American production company. But yeah, all of the... I think the casting, the, the the sets, the costumes, that was all done in the UK because London and the UK have a really good tax breaks for um, film and TV because there's a ton of film studios in and around London. So like all the Harry Potter films are here, all the Mission Impossibles are filmed here, all the Bonds are filmed here. Like there's a huge industry for film and TV in London. 
Um, what's the lead guy's name that's really pretty? Um, oh, the character's named Anthony, and he's played by... Uh, oh, which guy? Season one or season two? Season one. It's like three French words. Yeah. Jean, uh, is it Jean-Paul? Oh, no. It's not Jean-Paul. Oh, anyway, I couldn't even tell you what season one was about because the I Duke. just watched him and was like... Uh, <laughs> um, anyway. It, uh, so, I mean, we all were like that. Yeah. So the process for you in uh, working on something like this, uh, is everything sort of green lit before it's built and done? Or are, do you sometimes finish a project uh, and it's like, maybe wasn't right. So they're like, okay, this whole thing was just a bus. We just made this entire thing and they're not going to use it. Yep, that happens. That does happen. Yeah, that happens. So we'll spend, I remember for, it was, it was uh, on the first season and I was making a dress and there's a scene where she's like, oh, I'll wear the twinkly dress. And so she comes down the stairs in this beautiful robe that's all twinkly and it's it's gorgeous. But that was the second version. And I had made, someone else made that one, but I had made the first version. And the designer came in and was like, oh, you know what? I don't really like those fabrics together like I thought I would. And then it just got axed. And, wow. And, and that was did, that. does that go into someone's uh, like warehouse? So each production is different. Um, for Bridgerton, they've, they've kept everything over the season. So it's still, cause I think they, they know they're doing more. So they keep everything, but some productions just, they're like, yeah, that's it done. It's out. So this, this was your life, like right pre pandemic. Right? Yeah. Right. So that actually took me, Oh God, it's such a long story. <laughs> I don't know how much time you have, but um, yeah. So that was, pre-pandemic I worked I got that job in 2019 in the summer so July 2019 and that took me through to November 2019 which is when my because I was still on my student visa and so I had to leave the country in November to reapply for a work visa because you for the type of visa I wanted I had to apply from outside the United Kingdom so I flew home in November and I was like all right I'll spend Christmas at home and that's great and January will come around now, why couldn't I apply? Oh, weird. No, because I had to apply in like March or something, something silly, because you have to wait six months between visas. That's exactly what it was. So I flew home. I had to wait six months and then I could reapply. So I flew home. I was like, Christmas at home. I got a, a part time job doing retail, which was fine because it was just a filler while I was visiting home. And then March comes around, pandemic hits, all the embassies close, no one is processing visa paperwork, and it's just everything goes dark. Like nothing is moving wow. and it was just, and at this point I was still with my, my partner, David, who is from Scotland. So he's an EU citizen or a, yeah, a British citizen. And I'm, and we're, so we're separated now as well. And it was just, it was a, Oh God. Yeah. So it was tough. Cause we started, we'd been dating since 2017. We met at RADA. He also went there for stage management. So we'd been together for two years and then pandemic hits. So then you were stuck at home for how long? Oh, I think in total it was, oh, it was over a year. It was maybe like 14 months. Oh total. God. Yeah. So it was, I mean, because it, just because of the visas and because I'd been out of work so long, I could no longer apply for the work visa. And so we were, it was just look, trying to find the visas and we had to get an immigration lawyer and it, so you guys were like FaceTiming and Zooming? Yep, FaceTiming and Zooming. Uh, we both like video games, so we were playing game. We were gaming together. It was tough. It's it really tough, tough also after you've been independent and out on your own doing things to go have to live at home for oh that. Oh my God, it was, that was the worst part of it. It, was, it felt like such a regression. It was a little yeah. bit soul-destroying. Yeah. It was tough. I was like, God, so every choice I've made so far has been null and void because I'm back at square one with my parents. Right in my, in my old bedroom. Yeah, feeling oh, like you're rough. not a grown up anymore. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. It was like just that feeling of failure, and then it was isolation because I had all my friends had moved away from the area, so it was just me working this really sad retail job that I hated. And, and then everyone's just, saying, you know, if you had gone to be a doctor. Oh no! Thank God they that ship had sailed. They realized that that was never going to be a thing. <laughs> that was never going to work. But, so yeah. So, oh. so after fourteen months or so, I'm guessing that. I can't remember the timeline myself, but I'm guessing you got your jabs and then you could uh, go back over. No. So it wasn't even the jabs was the issue. It was the, it was getting the visa paperwork 
And so ah. we applied. So what we ended up doing was the, funnily enough, the easiest way to get me back in the country was to get a civil partnership visa. So I flew back to the UK and we're now officially married. Congrats. Um, in the most small ceremony. It was me and his two parents. He was like, you know what? Let's just do it. We know we love each other. We can have a big wedding one day, but I just, we need to be together in person. So we nice. decided to, yes, yeah, so thank you for the congratulations. Yeah. So we got civil partnership and I got my visa and I then flew back over. And yeah, this was only in what, November? Yeah, it was November. So fairly recently that I was able to return back to the UK. And so what's, what's been on your plate since c coming back to where you feel like you belong? Um, so actually, it, December, was it December? No. So I was still, there, there's a weird like workers rights thing where you have to wait for a special card from the government before you can officially take work. So I got that in December and then January like 2nd or January 3rd, um, I started working on six, the musical. Oh my God. Yeah. So that was really fun. My friend, Paul is one of the makers and he's like, look, I just got this job. I'm doing Anna of Cleves and the silver swing. And I just need an extra pair of hands in my, in my studio. And I was like, great, I'm free. Let me come. So I worked on those six costumes for, we did the UK cast change and in town. And then we did the UK tour as well. So the, yeah, oh, so that was really, really fun. Fun show. Um, and, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just say, yeah. And then, so then we did, so I did that gig and then they asked me to do tech support for the show. So I got to go in and work at the theater for two weeks doing, while well, they did the cast change. If they need like any alterations or if something rips or if something needs kind of zhuzhing, um, there's a small team that, did, so I did that. And that took me through to the current gig that I'm on now which is another TV contract. I can't talk too much about it because I did sign some non-disclosures, but it is... Uh, the working title is Another Sunken Garden. It's, exactly. It's, 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 it is Bridgerton season three. It is in production, so I don't think it's in that secret. But yeah, so I'm back with my old boss, back with the old team, back on season three, and I just couldn't be... like It's finally feeling like normal again after what two and a half years i know it's it's been a nightmare um, is working for for tv and film kind of uh the same as doing theater except sort of like a bigger large scale feeling it's a bigger budget bigger uh projects how did, does that feel like your team it's different it's it's i don't want to say it's like apples and oranges because it's not but it's it's it, they are very different because when you're in theater your budgets are a lot smaller your timelines are usually a bit tighter and it's the methods are different and and i'm, I'm assuming like you know when you're working on a show sometimes you can kind of have intimate not intimate but you can have like a personal relationship with the cast or the that's the main difference is when you're working yes exactly so when you're working in theater you get you go to the fittings you meet the actors it's it's kind of a quick process because you're in rehearsal for let's say six weeks and then your work is on stage. So it's a very quick turnaround. Whereas you do a TV show and you're like, all right, I made that dress. And then you're not going to see it again until eight months later, 10 months later, a year later. And, and you may not even be at the fitting. No, no, you're usually, you're not at the fitting. So, the so next you're, time you're you see what you made, it might be on TV. Exactly. And you don't know what shoes or what hat or what gloves they yep, put. Don't that. know what the hair looks like. Don't know what the makeup looks like. Don't know if it's going to be indoors, outdoors. Like it's, it's, here's the dress. Here's your fabric. Now go make wow, it. Wow. That's crazy. And then it comes back from fittings with all these safety pins in it and where it needs changing. And so you do the alterations and then it gets zipped up in a bag, put onto a truck, and then you never see it again. Wow. That's fascinating. Are you still doing the princess dresses for Florida? <laughs> I am not, unfortunately. Now he's now doing the Euro Paris. Uh, what's what, what's the Euro? It's called Euro Disney, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Euro Disney version of those. Matt was just asking, so now he can go go get that job in Florida and just make princess dresses. I mean, all you need is a Facebook page, and you, you've got it done. <laughs> no, I don't think I'd be very good at the dresses. No, we're not. You and I aren't really sewers. Are we? No, I would have to think of something more clever, like a Disney bag. 
Are you yeah. good with hot? Are you good with hot glue guns? Yes. Oh, who isn't? Yeah. I mean, Disney ears, Mickey ears, custom Mickey ears sell all go. day long. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joey, uh, we are mindful of your time. I, I just want to ask a few follow clo- uh, follow up, a few closing questions. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Oh, I've had um, such a lovely time. I'm sad it's coming to an end. I know. I know. What, t- what time is it in the UK right now? Uh, what does the clock say? It's quarter to 10. At, okay. at night? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, um, so so this is an interesting question because you do kind of work in the television field. Yep. Over the over the past couple of years, you know, we've all been watching a lot more things, streaming a lot more mm-hmm, things, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Any uh, streaming shows or movies or books, things that have popped out to you in the past couple of years that you just have loved, have lifted you, have informed you, anything like that? Oh. Oh gosh, what a great question. Um, things I've enjoyed. The Gilded Age. Uh, you know what? It's on my list. I've been too busy to watch it. I've only heard good things though. Oh my god! I you know what? It. I want you. I want you to call me after you watch it, and and we can judge the um, the outfits. I yeah. am obsessed with the fashion on that show. <clears throat> Some of the outfits, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I know. I wish that that was in production here because I would try so hard to get on it. I've seen it's, photos and it just looks stunning. It's all that time period is all about the color combination of baby blue and bronze together. Ooh. And it is, it's like the dresses match, the wallpaper match, the, you know what I mean? Oh, it's, I love it. It's amazing. So you will enjoy that when you get around to it. Uh, I mean, things, oh God, things I've been watching. I really like, Oh God, I know it's so stupid, but I really like uplifting shows. So, I mean, I'm a sucker for a reality show and I do hate to say that, and especially a competition show. So of course, British Bake Off is kind of a, is one of my go-tos always, the Great British Bake Off. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's funny because like the entire nation watches it over here. Like everyone comes into work the next day being like, did everyone watch Bake Off? (laughs) Wasn't it so heartwarming when that lady cried over her broken shortbread? Oh, it's just we have not of... seen it. Oh my god, it's so wholesome. It is <clears throat> if you just kind of want to turn your brain off, wholesome television show, watch the Great British Bake Off. It is it's it's amazing. Um Stranger Things, that's another of one. Of course. Because we love sci-fi in our household. Mm-hmm. So Stranger Things is good. Um oh, we also binged um Lost in Space. Cause uh David actually worked on a show recently that has Oh, I can't. You know, I'm so I'm I'm working in film and TV, and I'm so bad with actors and actors' names. I'm terrible. But the guy who plays the dad in Lost in Space, David, has just done a show with my partner David. So we watched that again with him in it, and so that was really exciting. Um, yeah, I guess because him and I work long hours, when not a lot of streams, not a lot of streams. But when we do pick something, it's something that we both want to enjoy and can just kind of sit on the couch and zone out together. Sure. So we kind of pick things that are maybe a little bit on the lighter side. Mm-hmm. The Stranger Things oh, this sorry. year, man. I know. We're, because he's touring right now in Chichester, we haven't watched it, but I've only heard good things. Oh, the best. Oh, I was good. kind of like, how can they top season three and the Battle of Starcourt and all of that like yeah. amazingness? And they did. Oh, good. I'm so excited. It, the fa- but I, I think this is interesting. I think season three was like the height of that like vibrant 80s fashion. Yes, decadent. that was definitely in the art design you could see. It was super vivid, super vivid. And we're super getting darker in this season. And it's it's very Good. interesting. Um, you will enjoy. You will enjoy. Oh, I'm so excited. I, you know what just came into my head? Something that is inspiring that I've just watched. And it's an odd one. It's... Oh, what the hell is it called? Um, <laughs> it's on Netflix. I, we just watched it. It's like the wonderful world of fungi or the secret life of fungi. Yes, yes Amazing. we watched it. Amazing. Uh, my heart was so warm after watching that. Yeah. I was like, um, I was like mushrooms are going to save the world. This is the answer. We're obsessed with them now and like how they kind of like heal trees. And yes. Like, and suck uh, up oil and can alter your brain function and like make neural. I was like, oh my God, this guy's blowing my mind. That was definitely a feel good. Between that and did you see my octopus teacher? Yes, I watched it on a recent flight and my uh, heart broke. Broke into a million pieces. It was so good. And it was oh, nothing. Good. It was about nothing. It was just right. this man alone with a fish. 
but it was beautiful. It was beautiful. But when he went back to that place at the end, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, and a baby w- went into his hand, oh I like God. lost my shit. Yeah, I was on the plane and I was not in a good state. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that well, was good. Oh, God, that was good. Well, Joey, it's been a delight getting to meet you and talk to you for almost yeah, an this hour. Has been so um, lovely. It's just flown by. Yeah. I like and- scratched the surface. I know, I know, and I, 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 I can't tell you how uh, happy we are for you and your success. How would you like for people to find you if you want followers? Oh God, or more um, followers? Is it IG? Yeah, Instagram is my go-to. I, I'm not really on Facebook, um, and I don't have a Twitter. So my my Instagram is Joey J O E Y Sant S A N T two zero one zero. The year I started at Shenandoah. So that's my Instagram. And then you should follow my boss too, because she posts some amazing stuff. My boss, uh, what's her handle? The one who's kind of been my mentor slash guide slash superwoman of my life. Her name is, okay, so it's tailoring, like to tailor a jacket, tailoring costume by Debs. And her name is Deborah Talentire. So it's tailoring costumes by Debs, D-E-B-S. And she's phenomenal. Like her stuff's amazing. And she's the one, she's worked in the film and TV industry for years. And she's just this warm, bubbly human. But yeah, follow, follow her first. And if you like her stuff, then you can come follow me. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I, I just got it. Yeah, Matt's on it right now. Did you find her? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, she's fantastic. And well, she's going to be like, who's this lame guy from Virginia? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Joey, thank you so much. Uh, we, we'll follow you and follow your, your path and hope, hope nothing but great things are lying ahead for you. And we're coming over. We're going to meet you at the pub that was built in the 1800s. Perfect. We can the find an even pub. old. I, there's one that was built in the 1500s. We'll go there. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. All sounds right. Great. Thanks, guys, so much. This has been lovely. Thank you. Thank you, Joey. We'll all talk right. soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much, Joey, for talking to us.